the feedback loop being so fast. Um, we build something, get it in the hands of someone who was using it. We would literally see how they were using it and ask them questions. And if they didn't like it, we would know within a minute. Um, and then we'd fix it. And then we'd send it back to them and then we'd fix it. And, and, and those people were literally sitting next to each other. And then after work, they'd go to drinks and they talk to each other about what they built. And so that feedback loop ended up becoming a foundation of how we would build a business. It's time! Work! I want to connect the listeners to the best of the best. Welcome to the Evolved Broker Podcast. I am your host, Pat Costello, the co-founder and principal at Evolve MGA. Our mission for the podcast is to bring the insurance industry the best of the best. My guest today is the co-founder and CEO of the fastest growing insurance agency in the US. His name is Spike Lipkin. He grew up in Colorado, attended University of Pennsylvania, and received his graduate degree from Stanford Business School. After working as an investor at Blackstone, he helped grow opendoor.com from a five-person company into a $3 billion business as their head of finance. He then went on to found a retail brokerage called New Front Insurance. To date, they've raised over $300 million and completed a merger with ABD Insurance. Their valuation is over $2 billion. We chat about his story, his work and school experience, and his vision for the future of New Front. Spike has a really interesting outlook on the future of the industry, and he is an inspiration to young entrepreneurs trying to disrupt long-standing industries. Please download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on, and feel free to reach out to me at pat at evolvedbrokerpodcast.com with any comments or suggestions for the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by First Insurance Funding. First is the leading premium finance company in insurance and is known throughout the industry for their personalized service and quote flexibility. If you're tired of sending quote requests for smaller premiums to multiple companies, not leaving enough time to negotiate larger opportunities, then choose First as your primary financing source and experience the first difference today. Without further ado, here's Spike. Spike, welcome to the Evolve Broker Podcast. Thanks for having me, Patrick. It's a long time in the making. I think five years ago we met in person for coffee. So I know. I know. I totally remember that. I believe you were looking for producers in the insurance world. We got coffee somewhere in, in Soma. Soma. Yeah. 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 Was your guys' office based around there at the time? Or were you living in the were you living in the city at the time? So we our, our initial office was an apartment that we told everyone it was an office. Okay. It had a bathroom with a bathtub in it. Um, <laughs> probably the giveaway. Um, one one day, my co-founder Gordon came and did laundry at our office. Uh, also, so that was our initial office, and and we've subsequently grown, and today have real office space. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of it is empty, but but yeah, at the time that was in mid market, so it was close by. I think we, we grabbed coffee. Man, washer dryer in the office. It does present some convenience, though. One of the many perks. Yeah. Yeah. Great employee perk. Um, Well, Spike, it's great to see you again. I am very excited to catch up with you. I'm hoping that we can give the audience a feel for who you are are as a person, your background, where you grew up, um, some of the experiences that you had from school and from 
early work experience because I know you had some really interesting stuff that you went through. And, and then uh, the last segment I'd really love to go through, New Front Insurance, some of the recent updates, some really exciting updates, and really where you see the future of New Front and the future of the insurance industry, if that's okay with you. Sounds great. Cool. So this is a couple the couple things I don't know. I know I know we uh, go back a few years, but where did you grow up? And can you tell me a little bit about like your family and just general background? Yeah, grew up in Colorado. My mom is an artist. My dad's an architect um, who had a very entrepreneurial career. So I, I sort of had the entrepreneurial bug from an early age, um, and I also saw how entrepreneurship can create huge opportunity, can have impact on communities. Um, so grew up in, in Colorado in a mountain town, um, went east for college, lived on the East Coast for a number of years. And then that was, wife, uh, sorry to pause you there. That was University of Pennsylvania, right? Penn undergrad. Okay. Um, and then came out here. My, my wife's from the Bay Area. So we settled out here and, um, and love it out here. And I, and I live in the Mission in San Francisco now. Oh, nice. Very cool. The last people. <laughs> and at one point, you went to Stanford Graduate School of Business. Was that, I know like after University of Pennsylvania, you were working for Blackstone at one point. Were you going to Stanford Business School while you were working or did you take a break or, or maybe you went to Stanford Business School immediately after University of Pennsylvania? How did that work out? I um, worked for a couple of years at Blackstone, which is actually where I first got exposure to insurance and risk management and benefits. And then um, I, I went full-time to business school for two years. Um, and, I, and I remember someone telling me that at, at the time, I, you know, I wanted to start a company and I, I had these ideas about the insurance industry. And I remember a founder I was friends with said that going to business school in your 20s is like saying you want to join the MBA and taking two years off from practicing. Um, so <laughs> it was a fun two years, um, not ultra connected to to building new front, um, but learned a great deal, made a lot of great rela relationships uh, that, you know, still yeah. have to. This I, I want to pause on that point just because I find Stanford Business School so interesting. I was listening to a podcast called All In, which is uh, a, a lot of Silicon Valley legends, and they just had the All In Summit, and they had a speaker that was coming through, and they're talking about the characteristics of entrepreneurs and who starts businesses. And there was a crazy stat about Stanford Business School, and it was like some enormously high percentage of um, successful startups are founded by Stanford Business School graduates. What made you want to go to Stanford Business School is question number one. And question number two is, how did you get in? Because I know it's, it's very competitive. Yeah, so... You know, I had grown up interested in technology, reading about technology, and you know, so you read about Silicon Valley, and here I was in Colorado at the time, reading about Silicon Valley, reading about these companies, these entire industries getting built, and it felt like Stanford was sort of at the center of that. Um, so, found out about it through that. I think part of the reason you see a number of successful businesses get started out of Stanford is you're in the right place at the right time, um, and you have time you know, the resources there are incredible, right? You can call on um, experts in any field if you have um, something you want to explore or learn more about. Um, and then, you know, I think being in Silicon Valley at any point in the last, you know, few decades has been the right place at the right time. So I think that's led to a lot of great companies getting started. Um, in my year, 
Um, a number of my friends started businesses that have gone on to be really successful. So there's also this really cool entrepreneurial community. Um, it turns out in, in my experience that many of the founders across industries are, are just facing the exact same problems um, and, and exact same challenges, right? It's all about finding the best people, motivating those people. Totally. And it almost doesn't matter what the business is, everyone's facing the exact same challenges. So it's really helpful to have a network of folks who were thinking about the same things um, and solving the same problems. Was it, were you shocked when you got in? Because I know it's so hard oh, to get in. Okay. Completely shocked. Yeah. Um, you know, there were 300, there, I think there were 350 people my year. And I, and I was certain that I was like the 350th person right. uh, that they let in. Um, yeah, it, it felt like a, a total coin toss. Yeah. Um, I knew people way more qualified than myself who, who didn't get in. Uh -huh. um, so certainly a, a stroke of luck. Nice. And what would you credit that to? Was it, would you think it was grades? You think it was, you know, previous work experience or was there something else that you think was like, Oh, okay. I think this is why, why they let me you in. You know, I, I think, um, and, and this is informed, I think how we've thought about building new front. I think it has a lot to do with references, uh -huh. you know, so much of the way, um, I think about hiring people is interviews are valuable, but what's really valuable is being able to talk with someone who this person's worked with in the past and, um, hear about what it's like working with them. You know, what I can discover in an hour is a fraction of what someone who's worked with, you know, this candidate for years and years has discovered. So, so I think, you know, references go a long way. My, my sense is, um, you know, I, I was fortunate to work with great people prior to um, going to Stanford that, that were kind enough to write me references. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a total black box who gets into these programs. Um, and I'm sure, you know, 99 years out of hundred, I wouldn't have gotten in, but I just got lucky on that, that year. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, we just had a recruiting specialist, Carrie Johnson on who focused heavily on emphasizing how important those referrals are. So yeah. I, I'm glad that you reiterated it. And it's something that I think is crucial to, to our own recruiting efforts with Evolve. So that's really big while you're at Stanford, did you take the touchy-feely course with Carol Robin and David Bradford? I did, and I, and I know David's been a guest on your show, and yes. he's someone I really admire. I've, I've read, I think I've read his book, and I found the course to be incredibly valuable, extremely eye-opening, um, something that I hope many people have the chance to go through. Um, I know there are now versions of it that exist outside of Stanford, but I think as a leader, understanding how you are impacting others, how you're perceived by others, um, it's just so insanely valuable. You're sort of getting to peek behind the curtain of what people are thinking um, and change in ways you want to change, not change in ways you don't want to change. But um, it was probably the most valuable course I took at Stanford. That's that's really interesting to hear. And that's actually one of like the rapid fire questions we have is what was your uh, favorite course at Stanford? So uh, we already checked that off the list. And yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. We're in an industry that's built on relationships as well. Yes. So really, really applicable to the insurance world. I won't give away too many secrets because we did record a whole episode with Carol and David about their book Connect, which is all about building better, yes. better relationships. Yeah, you know, it turns out that every business is just human beings um, and being able to interact with people, being able to have a um, feedback rich relationship with other people, 
is huge. Um, and I know our, our industry is defined by relationships and human connection, but I would argue that every business, I mean, even the most technical businesses in the world are just people working together. Yeah. And so that's incredibly valuable. I'm a huge fan of Carol Robin, huge fan of David as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I recently got dinner with David in Berkeley and uh, such an interesting guy, such an interesting guy. So very, very cool people and very cool that you actually took that course. That's amazing. I'm very jealous. You mentioned you worked at Blackstone and you got some exposure to the insurance world. You also had experience with a company called opendoor.com. And from what I know, you were like one of the first five employees there and you grew that company to the point where now I think it's worth over $3 billion. Can you talk about your experience with Open Door? Yeah, so, so um, I joined from Blackstone and Opendoor had this idea of making it easier for people to sell and, and buy their homes. Um, and at the time, you know, it was a small team. Um, they had this crazy idea that you could algorithmically price homes. Um, so joined, we, we had an office above this bar in San Francisco called Kate O'Brien's. And I think it was one of the years where the, the Giants won the World Series. And so at like, you know, 4.30 every day, it was basically impossible to get work done. It was <laughs> Um, but, but I learned an incredible amount there. Um, what I saw was a team that was really focused on recruiting. So, you know, early on from the first day, Eric, the CEO there was focused on finding and retaining the absolute best people. And one of the things I took away was he was looking years ahead and saying, you know, we're going to be a business with thousands of employees at some point, who are the leaders we need in place? And he would play this long game of recruiting people over really, really long periods of time. So Amazing learning there. Um, getting to see that business scale was incredible. Um, you know, I, I um, was there for a couple of years and then left to start Newfront. Um, but it's obviously been extremely successful um, and, and, and gone on to be a public company today. Okay. Can you talk about that transition period? Like what drew you to found, founding Newfront from Open Door? So I had been in, in two different roles, first at Blackstone and then at Open Door, where I was exposed to insurance. And frankly, it, it, it just blew my mind. I mean, the experience is terrible. As a client, you fill out these mountains of paperwork. Um, and, and by the way, you fill them out every year, which is wild, right? Even you know, the most hated companies in America, like the, the cable companies, they don't ask you to renew your you know, internet subscription every year. Um, they just auto renew you. But somehow in our industry, we are giving our clients the chance every year to fire us. Hey, fill out this blank application. You know, what's the name of your business? Yeah. The name changed. Um, so true. So Mind blowing to me. And then, you know, you wait weeks, months, you get back this incredibly confusing proposal um, at where the prices differ, but so does every term and condition and, and endorsement. Um, and, and so that process of purchasing insurance is terrifying because um, you don't know what you're getting. Um, there, there's no upside to doing it right. And there's a lot of downside to doing it wrong. And then, you know, you buy this policy, you get billed five different invoices. Some of it's direct bill, some of it's agency bill. You then, um, ongoing management of the policy is confusing. I remember I had our broker's cell phone and I would call him all the time. Um, he, was, he was a broker in Phoenix at the time. Um, and then finally a claim. It's like this black box. Um, you bought this piece of paper. It's 600 pages long. You hope it's going to cover your claim. So long way of saying, I got kind of obsessed. Yeah. And I started thinking about how this is a product that affects every business. You know, you wouldn't have innovation without insurance. 
we wouldn't have people trying new things, advancing society without it, yet it's totally antiquated. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the rest of, of businesses, they're moving online, right? Payroll systems are online, accounting systems are online, the HRIS system is now online. So all the, the data, this rich data set that's used to underwrite insurance has moved from file cabinets to the cloud. And our thesis was, well, as that data moves online, the entire process of buying and managing insurance and benefits is gonna change. We then got to see the inside of some brokerage firms. And what we saw were these really meaningful client interactions where the clients were really depending on an advisor, a, a trusted human to help them through their, their transaction, help them through their claims management. And then behind the scenes, you know, it was chaos. These insurance professionals were being let down by the tools that were available to them. We learned about, you know, these legacy agency management system providers um, and learned that most brokerages and, and insurance professionals weren't feeling well served by those tools. So we just got really excited. We saw this opportunity for a better client experience, a better experience for professionals. Um, we learned that a bunch of carriers um, were really struggling as well. Um, you know, you, I think everyone's heard uh, about how underwriters receive, you know, really messy submissions and can't get through all their submissions. So, so we saw this problem that fundamentally we thought was a data problem that could lead to a better client experience. Um, so that led us ultimately to get started. Um, I got to know Gordon, our chief technology officer. Um, he was first in his class at MIT. He had built and sold a company to LinkedIn and um, was interested in insurance and you know, the, the overlapping circles of world-class engineers and the insurance industry and, and folks who want to do something in insurance are like, you know, two circles that are barely touching, yeah. right? They're not many people that meet that profile. Um, so Gordon started getting excited. And, yeah. um, and how did you, how did you meet Gordon? We met through some mutual friends. Okay. Um, we had a bunch of, of friends in common um, and we just started spending time together and we started shadowing clients who were buying insurance. And then we started shadowing brokers as well. Um, and starting to understand what they did. And, you know, it got us really excited because like I said, you know, we saw a really important thing happening and a lot of work that we thought computers could do really well. Um, and so ultimately we took the plunge. We, I think you have to be somewhat naive to start a business. And so uh, there's, there's something non-rational there. Um, we took the plunge. We got started. Um, we, we initially called the company High. We initially called the company Abe, and we had the website Hi Abe. Yeah, I totally remember that. Yeah, truly the worst branding. Um, <laughs> and I have myself to thank for that. Um, we thought, you know, Honest Abe, like the Honest Broker, and then uh, we couldn't get Abe.com because it's owned by Amazon. So we got okay. HiAbe.com, but everyone thought it was Hiabe. Um, <laughs> for, for any listeners that want to buy the domain Hiabe, we still have that available. <laughs> Still on That's super website. funny. I told yeah. I, I I remember going to that website. Yeah. Um, I hope I wish you didn't remember that because that, <laughs> that was embarrassing. Um, but, but now we have a much better name. Okay. I love New Front's a great name. Thank you. We're, we're excited about it. it. We we did this long branding exercise and met this branding expert, you know, who wore a black turtleneck and you know told us to imagine how the brand made us feel. Couldn't figure anything out. And then um, my wife was actually the one who came up with the name New Front. Um, we had spent days and days and she just said, well, why don't you call it New Front? Um, and it turns out that was available. And so we went with it. Wow. How did she come up with it? You know, we were thinking about new and front and, you know, like it, it wasn't crazy to combine all these things. Yeah. We had these long lists, but uh -huh. she was the one that did it. Yeah. That's a great story. That's really cool. I'm glad, I'm glad that she gets the credit. She, she totally gets the credit for that and many other things. <laughs> okay, cool. 
So uh, you you see the problem and um, you have a potential solution for the problem and you have really like what sounds like the founding team. Was the next step like, you know what, we're going to come up with a different differentiator for the retail agency model and then pitch it to uh, venture capital firms? So um, the first thing we did was spend time with a lot of insurance professionals. So yep. producers, account managers, account executives, um, you know, folks on the claim side, and then clients. And, and we started triangulating on this problem, which was there's some of the transaction um, and some of the management of insurance, which is really strategic, really high level. It really ties into a business's goals um, about how they want to take risk. And then there's some part of it, which is paperwork and admin and data entry and more data entry and more paperwork. And what we saw was this opportunity to combine what was really working in our industry with a better technology platform. Um, so we, we, we had this idea um, mm -hmm. and then we started looking at how to build it. And yeah. you, you look at um, our, our industry, it's really complicated. And so, you know, Gordon started building the initial version. We realized pretty quickly that we needed um, a lot more, um, a, a lot bigger team to be able to build the product that we wanted to build. Um, so we were fortunate to raise some money. Um, we raised, I think, $3 million in our first funding round. Um, and then our first 10 hires were equal parts insurance professionals and engineers. Um, wow. And we had, you know, this, this um, apartment that we worked out of um, on Roush Street. And, and actually, Roush Street is where Airbnb was founded. So um, we, we like we cool. that a lot. Cool. Um, so that's Route Street. Is that in the mission? Roush is, no, Roush. it's mid-market. Um, it's, it's, you know, eighth and mission. Okay. Um, roughly. One of those it, mid- how do you spell it? R-A-U-S-C-H. Okay. Roush. Okay, cool. I like that story. And, and we just spent time brainstorming together. And then we were really fortunate to bring on Forrest Whitmire. Um, he was our founding producer. And he had been um, in the industry for a while, um, understood the tech side of things as well. And he started bringing over clients. And we were then able to go interview those clients and start building. And so it was super collaborative. I mean, literally everyone was sitting in the same room because we didn't have any offices. We just had one big living room um, and everyone's desks were together. And you'd have, you know, an engineer sitting next to an account manager and they would just talk and talk about the pain points. And so, you know, it started with something really rudimentary and then kind of developed over time. Um, and, and what we didn't realize that I think was a huge competitive advantage is, you know, when you look at the innovation efforts in our industry, Historically, they've been really large, successful brokerage firms where they have, you know, a very successful business, ways of doing things, established practices, and they try to bring in engineering talent. Um, and it's really hard because it's already working. Um, the system's really big already. Um, and so that hasn't historically worked that well. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have technology companies that have tried to build a product, um, but it hasn't been informed by insurance professionals. And so the result has been those products don't always land um, and they don't always work out. And so we didn't realize it at the time, but by building and, and literally being in the same room, I mean, this was obviously pre-COVID, um, we were building this competitive advantage of the feedback loop being so fast. Yeah. Um, we build something, get it in the hands of someone who was using it. We would literally see how they were using it and ask them questions. And if they didn't like it, we would know within a minute. 
Um, and then we fix it and then we send it back to them and then we fix it. And, and, and those people were literally sitting next to each other. And then after work, they'd go to drinks and they talk to each other about what they built. And so that feedback loop ended up becoming a foundation of how we would build a business. You know, and to this day, anything we build is informed by clients and insurance professionals. That's our, our true north. That's awesome. I, I remember back in the day, pre-COVID, I forget what year it was, but you guys had office space downtown. And I think this probably was after the apartment. This was like very high quality, legitimate office space in downtown San Francisco. And you guys had a party in the lobby at one point. What, at what point did you guys move to that office downtown? That was maybe a year later. Okay. We, we found that we had team members that were taking calls in the stairwell. Um, <laughs> and there was a family of four that lived next door to us and they hated us. Oh and man, I'm sure. We were, bringing bicycles and people were calling, making calls in the hallway. And so at that point we realized we needed to get a real office and the business was picking up. And we actually, that event was really cool. And, and I want to do another one of those. Um, it was a carrier appreciation event. So what we realized is in our business without having the right trading partners um, and making them successful, we can't be successful. Uh -huh. And, you know, we were used to hearing about stories of, um, you know, brokers asking for things from their trading partners. And so we hosted an event, there was live music, um, there's an open bar, and we invited all of our all of our carry partners. We also incidentally needed appointments. Um, and so it was helpful yeah. um, to be able to tell the story and, and, and the vision. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a fun event. It was epic. It was, I had a really good time and it was very unique. Most retailers that Evolve works with have not thrown like a carrier appreciation event um, so it was very refreshing. And it was also cool to see, like, you know, seeing premium finance people I work with, seeing different yeah. producers um, that we work with at New Front, seeing, you know, even like friendly competition, whoever it is, um, or even it's like the insurance industry is so incestuous. It's like seeing people that work for, you know, have jumped to companies a few times. And it's just, it's such a small world, you know? It's a very small world. And we need to do that again now that the world is is coming back and, um, I think people have this desire to congregate and see each other again. Oh but yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. I would love to attend one of those again. It was like, that was, that was like downtown San Francisco, like pre COVID. That's exactly what I think of with the downtown atmosphere of, you know, just getting together in large groups for drinks and stuff. And that's the stuff that I miss. So if you guys are able to do that again, I, I would love to attend. Awesome. Let me, let me look into it. Yeah. Well, so after that moment though, you guys experienced, some really cool growth and some exciting updates. You guys merged with ABD Insurance. Can you talk about that merger and how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were growing rapidly and there was a firm in the Bay Area that, that frankly, I had always looked up to um, called ABD. And when I was, when we were starting out, I got to know Kurt first and then Brian, um, the founders of ABD. And the person who introduced me said, if you're doing something in insurance at the intersection of insurance and technology, there are probably no two humans on earth better equipped to talk with than, than Kurt and Brian. And, you know, my, my approach has always been to speak with competitors. I think we have more to learn in every one of those settings than lose. And, you know, ABD had been hugely successful at the time. You know, they had some of the top professionals in the industry. They had some of the top clients in the industry. So we started talking. Um, we got to know each other a little bit over a few years. And then, something interesting started happening. So on our side, what we were realizing is as we were building, building a professional team um, is really hard. We had hired great insurance professionals, 
but it's also not an industry where folks move around a ton. Um, and so, you know, if there is someone incredible on the claim side, they're probably well taken care of where they are and, and happy. Um, and then in ABD's case, they had this professional team, but they were starting to think about how do they deliver scalable operations and technology to their team? And, you know, ABD had seen the development of all these different industries. I mean, they had been the initial broker to Slack, um, to Facebook, you know, all these industry defining companies. And they saw that the insurance industry was going to modernize. So they were starting to think, how do they build a technology function in-house? They're starting to hire. And as we started talking, we realized that if we brought our firms together, um, we could bring together this new kind of firm where we had a world-class technology team, a world-class operations team, and a world-class professional team. And that's not to say that the operations, technology, and professional folks on both teams weren't great, but we were able to bring together and complement in this new firm. So we talked for a while. Um, we talked to advisors. They said nothing like this had ever been done before. Um, first of all, ABD was much larger than Newfront, and um, we had a different ownership structure. And so over a long period of time, and I think based on a shared vision and a shared mission, we decided to come together. That closed in um, July of 21. Well, I guess it officially closed in August. It signed in July, officially closed in August. And so we're coming up on um, almost a year here together. And it's been an incredible year. Um, you know, first of all, our, our, our new colleagues are absolutely incredible. I think we have the best team in the business. Everywhere you look, um, it's like game recognizes game. You know, we have these <laughs> I love that. insurance professionals um, who are absolutely the best at what they do at the pinnacle of what they do, um, building creative solutions. We have these world-class engineers that we're recruiting from some of the biggest and most successful companies in the industry. Um, and they're coming together and they're doing what we did, you know, five years ago in that apartment on Roush Street where we're collaborating on product. You know, I, I had a call this morning um, with a handful of benefits producers on our team, um, engineers, and we're talking about wh what do we want to deliver? Um, and then we're going to go build it and show it to them and, um, and, and, and keep refining it. Um, so it's been hugely successful. You know, one of the big markers that we look at is I believe one of the biggest factors um, and, and, and markers of success for an organization is the talent that they can attract and retain. And so we've recruited about 250 people in the last year. Um, and these are folks that are joining um, on the insurance side from you know, major firms with major books of business, um, these are, you know, service professionals who've had, you know, decades and decades of building expertise and going really deep in a vertical. And then these are engineers and they're joining places like Google and Airbnb. And so that's been a huge, um, I think, indicator of the fact that it's working. We're delivering on this promise of building a more modern solution and building um, what we think will be a category defining business. So it's been a, a wildly exciting year. Congratulations on the merger, and I'm glad to hear that it's been so successful. Was it tough bringing together two different cultures? You know, we looked at what was happening at both firms, and in a lot of ways, we were really similar. Um, we had both mission-driven cultures. We had um, values-driven cultures. Um, in, in, in both companies, the values played a really big role in hiring um, in performance management across the team. So there was a lot that we had in common. Um, there were some differences. And when we came together, we realized it wasn't going to be the new front culture or the ABD culture. It was going to be a new culture that we built together. And so um, it's been really exciting. 
Um, you know, any in, in, in building anything, there of course are ups and downs, but there have been way more ups than downs. Um, and, you know, we've really come together as one team. We're trying to get word of, rid of the word legacy, um, you know, legacy yeah. new legacy ABD, and we're just one new front. Um, over time, you know, as we're growing, most of the people at Newfront will actually be people who are hired post-merger. And that's not going to be in very long where, where we cross that point. Um, that's really right? exciting. So, yeah. Um, and, and so we're building, you know, one cohesive culture. Culture is the big ingredient in, in these businesses. Um, you know, one of the things Kurt, our executive chairman, used to say is that when he, he, he built Benefit Point and then sold it to Vertifor and was at Vertifor and got to meet all these different insurance brokerages and agencies, and one of the things he said is that it became clear to him that there was a connection between culture and growth. So he could walk into an office of an agency or brokerage and, you know, were people collaborating? Did they seem to like being there? Were they making jokes with each other? If that was true, they tended to be an outperformer. Um, on the other hand, if you walked in and it didn't seem like a place people wanted to be, it didn't seem like a place people wanted to work, those tended not to be the highest performing firms. I mean, yeah. this doesn't seem surprising at all, yeah. right? Because great businesses are just collections of great people. Yeah. But culture is the ingredient that holds our business together. And I think in a day and age where most of our competitors are private equity roll-ups, culture is not always the number one thing on the agenda for those firms. Um, some of them have great cultures. I'm not knocking them in any way, um, uh, but it's a huge competitive advantage for us. It really seems like you guys have done a successful job at merging those cultures and developing the culture for the future from, from everything I've heard from different folks that have been involved in one way or another. So again, big, big congrats to you for putting that together because that's, you make it sound like it's a simplistic task, but it, I know it's not. It, it um, started actually right when we came together, we did these values workshops. So our, our chief people officer, Amy Stedman, led these workshops where every team member, every employee could opine on our values. Um, and we reformed a set of values. We committed ourselves to those values. Um, and so that, that's how it started. And then, you know, we have a town hall meeting every other week where the entire company gets together. We talk about what's going well in the business. We talk about some of the things that aren't going well in the business. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then diversity, equity, and inclusion is a big part of our business strategy as well. Um, and so that's been part of our joint company. We have eight employee resource groups that um, play a big role in our culture. So it's, it's always, culture is always a work in progress, but we're excited yeah. where, where things are there. Yeah, that's cool. So since that merger, I saw a headline. I'm not sure if this was pre-merger or post, but you guys raised another $200 million, um, dollars to to put back in the business or uh, potentially use for uh, alternative strategies was that after the merger it was after so you know we came together and what we started seeing was all this investor demand in wanting to back our business you know we had scale we had a rapidly growing business um, in one of the biggest markets in the world with technology um, that builds a moat around the business makes it really hard to compete with our business builds a unique client experience. So we started having a lot of really great options from um, investors who wanted to be part of our journey. Um, we have benefited historically from not just bringing on investors, but really bring on partners who want to help the business in a way that's not just monetary. Um, and we found that um, in this round in Goldman Sachs. Um, so they led the round along with B Capital. Um, and, you know, Goldman, for their part, is one of the leading financial services brands in the world. Um, and so we're able to learn a great deal from them 
Um, they have their hand in basically every industry in every business out there. And so we're able to partner with them. Um, and then B Capital has, um, you know, a really impressive portfolio services team that's working with our team on everything from, um, you know, helping us plan our OKR process down to helping us go pursue opportunities together, business development opportunities together. So we were really fortunate. Um, the business is capital efficient. So we, we raised the money um, because we didn't need it. Um, you know, there, there's this, or, or I should say, we raised the money and didn't need it. There's this saying in fundraising that you should raise it when you don't need it. Uh -huh. um, so we were we were fortunate to do that, you know, before the downturn. Um, timing was obviously relatively lucky there. Um, so now we're really well capitalized, got a lot of cash on the balance sheet, and and, and we have a business that is 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 efficient. That's super exciting. And you guys, uh, last I saw, had a two point two billion dollar valuation. So that's, that's for other compared to other retail agencies that are out there. That is, um, extremely impressive. Um, uh, so I, I guess total, total raise was, is total raise over $300 million? Yeah, we have raised over $300 million. Okay. Um, and we have, um, you know, sig significant amounts of that still in the bank today, um, that will deploy over time, mostly through investments in the team, being able to invest in, um, support for the team. You know, part of the problem we see in the broader industry is, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of wealth generated in the distribution space, in, in the retail distribution space. And the client experience hasn't gotten better, right? It's, it's sort of crazy to think that, you know, fortunes have been made, huge amounts of investments, huge amounts of investments have happened, yet if you are a client, your experience is probably not very different today than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so when we think about raising money, we're able to invest it back into the business. Uh -huh. Some of that is technology. Frankly, some of that is people. Being able to have the right experts on the team is huge for the client experience we're trying to deliver. Yeah, one story I heard about one of your investors was around the founder of Eventbrite, Kevin Hartz, who had a really interesting, I guess, offer for you when it came to being on your board compared to how typical board advisors would work or working within your company. Can you tell the story about Kevin and his offer and his kind of integration and in helping you build the business? Yeah, so so when we were going out to raise a Series A, which is you know after your seed round, the first institutional round of funding, one of the things we were very clear on is we wanted to raise money from an entrepreneur. We wanted to raise money from someone who built a big business. And we had our eyes set on Kevin. You know, Kevin had built Eventbrite, which was at the time a private company, eventually went public. And then he had built a money remittance business called XOM Zoom, um, which ultimately sold to PayPal for over a billion dollars. So here's this person who built two, you know, over billion dollar businesses. And we got to know him um, and we were fortunate to have a handful of options from investors. And Kevin came to us and said, hey, if you let me lead this round, and he, he was a partner at Founders Fund at the time, um, I will meet with you once a week for the next 10 years, um, which we thought was an incredible incredible yeah. commitment, incredible opportunity. Um, and so we, we, we didn't hesitate. Um, Kevin was not our highest offer. Uh -huh. we, he invested um, and we met with him once a week, really um, until COVID hit. And then it switched to, you know, video calls and, and phone calls. Um, but it was incredible, incredibly valuable. We'd go to his house every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Um, no way. And a printout of all the operational metrics and all the business metrics. And he'd ask us hard questions. 
Um, sometimes his wife, Julia would join and, you know, she's CEO of a public company. And so we felt like we were just getting an incredible amount of learning, um, from, from Kevin and, and, and sometimes from Julia, um, and it made our business way better. Wow. What an offer. That truly is incredible. That's really cool that he did that. It, it was incredibly generous of him. Is that 10 year commitment still? Is he, is he sticking true to it? I think he's still got a number of years left in that commitment. Yeah. Um, I've been making our sessions together uh, and I'm going to go for one, one long one. Um, but no, he's, he's been an incredible partner. I mean, Kevin's one of these people who has been part of, you know, so many of these category defining businesses. I mean, he was one of the first investors, I, I believe in, in, in PayPal and Airbnb and Pinterest. And when you talk to founders about him, they just rave about how Kevin um, gives so much, expects so little in, in exchange. Um, and you know, you, you, you see this pattern recognition that Kevin has, or he's seen so many different situations so many times. Um, so he's, he's been a huge part of, um, what, what we've built and someone we really appreciate. Yeah. That's a very rare quality. I mean, you know, someone's most important resource, their time, if they're willing to, and they, if they have that much expertise, that's just amazing. So that's, that's so cool to hear. And, um, I guess what I'm curious about moving forward is your thoughts on the future of New Front and the future of the insurance industry. How do you see New Front growing and developing over the next five years? Yeah, so, so I think if you think about the world we're in today, um, increasingly insurance buyers, whether it's private client, personal lines, um, you know, PNC, benefits, Increasingly, the buyer is someone who grew up with a Facebook page. They filed their first taxes online. They do their banking online. They trade stock online. And so these are people who want a more digital experience. So when I think about the future we're building towards, we are taking advantage of this trend in the world towards digitization. And the future we're building towards is one where we combine the best of humans with the best of computers. So what that means is the process will be much more digitized. So you will fill out an online application or even better yet, you will connect us to core systems within your business and we will be able to pull data with your permission that helps us build a really accurate underwriting profile. So that experience will feel very different for clients. The ongoing management will feel like your relationship with a financial institution. You know, if you're a business and you have a banking relationship, there's some things you wanna be able to self-serve on, right? You wanna be able to check your, your balance, you want to be able to send wires, um, but then you also want to be able to have strategic conversations with your banker. Um, we think your insurance advisor is no different. You're going to be able to self-serve as a client in some ways. You're also going to have access to humans when, when you want that access. So it's sort of going to be the best of both worlds. Um, that's absolutely where we're headed. The way we talk about it internally is we want to take the bottom half, the bottom third of what our team members are doing, and we want to hand that to computers. And then we want to let our teams focus on the top half that is really strategic yeah. client facing work that drives the business forward. So I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Um, the key ingredient to all of this is data. Yeah. So it's a ton of data in the insurance industry. It's just not useful data because it's not structured. Yeah. So this journey we're on is all about structuring data. Searching data means you can build better trading partnerships. Um, it means you can help your clients make better decisions. So, you know, the word that you hear a lot in the insurance industry is benchmarking. Mm -hmm. And benchmarking is helping your clients have this ease of making decisions by understanding what their peers are doing. You can't benchmark unless you have structured data. So that's a huge part of our, our offering. 
um, as well. And then just insights into how our clients can run their businesses and how they should be thinking about risk. You can't do this unless you have structured data. So, so that's where I think we're headed as a business. Um, we're going to be very focused on talent as we always have been. Um, we think that increasingly, if you're an insurance professional, um, not only do you deserve a platform that makes your job easier, um, better tools for your clients, but you also deserve to work at a company that um, has your values and, and, and mission. Um, and we think that's a huge part of what we are building as a business. Everyone at New Friends, a shareholder, is the last thing that I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. leave with you. So every one of our employees has equity in the business. Um, part of our business strategy, we want people who are owners. One of our values is act like an owner. Um, and we really live that value. Um, so anyways, that's where I think things are headed for us. Okay, okay, great. Well, we are entering like the final 10 minutes here. Spike, I think that it's been really gracious of you to spend some time with me with how busy I know that your day-to-day -day is. So we can jump right into our five rapid fire questions to finish off this episode, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, first question, Colorado or California? Oh man, I, I, I don't know if I can pick. I, I love them both. I live in California, we're based in California, but grew up in Colorado. I, I think I have to go with both on that, which, which might not be an option, but I'm going with it. Okay, okay, all right. Because you already mentioned what your favorite class was at Stanford Graduate School of Business, I have a different question for you, and it kind of applies to the, the answer that you just gave about the future of Newfront and how you approach employees. What advice would you give a brand new new front employee on their first day on the job? Oh, wow. So we have an onboarding process and um, a bunch of, so me, Kurt, Brian, and Gordon each speak at those sessions. And, you know, the advice that we, we give folks is um, you're going to help propel our business. The best ideas are not going to come from us. They're going to come from you. Um, so ask questions build connections across the business. We're a very flat organization. Anyone can reach out to anyone else and get on their calendar. We encourage new employees to do that. Um, we, we want folks who are looking at the way the world is today and saying that doesn't make sense and we can change the world um, for the better of our clients and our team. Um, so we, we see that all the time. Um, across the business, we have folks who join and say, oh, we don't have to do it this way. We actually can do something um, that is more streamlined um, and we'll update our processes. And so we're, we're constantly evolving. You know, I like to think of myself as a work in progress. I like to think of new friend as a work in progress yeah. and we only get there through people asking questions and sharing ideas. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I really like that you said that because we are actually speaking with a New York Times futurist who talks about how insurance is really a gateway for change and stable change within society and the world in general. So I, I think you you hit that on the head. Okay, next the next question I'm curious about, because I feel like we've been in San Francisco for kind of about the same amount of time. Um, do you have a favorite restaurant in San Francisco? I love Mexican food. I live in the Mission, um, so I like El Ferralillo. Is, um, is that the, would you say that's the, that's the top I burrito mean, it's, spot? It's, it's definitely the top burrito spot. And if anyone yeah. tells you it's not, they're okay. lying. Okay. Uh, they also have really good quesadillas. All right. My buddy Adam is, is a burrito snob. So I'm going to 
I'm going to put he, that on the list. He won't feel great after he eats there, but the food <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, good answer. What is the hardest part of raising money? You know, I, th- I think it's inevitably, you know, we've been really lucky where we've had always more interest than um, opportunity to invest in the business. We've always had more investors interested in us than we're able to take on. But inevitably, um, you know, there are going to be folks who don't want to invest. Um, and I think that there are reasons that are totally unrelated to your business. You know, it might be something else happening in, in your portfolio, but you know, raising money is a lot like sales. Um, even when you're good at it, you, you face a lot of rejection. You know, when I think of our strongest producers and most successful producers, they're probably also the ones that have faced failure the most, right? Where they've, oh, yeah. um, most conversations have been turned down the most, but it's also worked. And so raising money is no exception to that. You know, and for every one of these successful rounds um, that I'm familiar with, you know, across everyone I know, as many people are not interested in investing. So it's, 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 you know, positioning yourself and, and, and then being willing to move on from people saying no. Yeah. Yeah. Facing that rejection is key. I know Adam Johnson can, can speak to what you're saying on the production side of things as well. For sure. I mean, I think it's really similar to sales and the best salespeople are just ruthless. They're, you know, constantly going at it. Yeah. Okay. Final question here for you, Spike. For all the younger generation, uh, the Gen Z that's coming out of college and want to be entrepreneurs, what would be a piece of advice that you would give them if that's that's a road that they wanted to go down? Well, there's probably better advice than I can give on TikTok. Um, <laughs> on TikTok. It's pretty um, good. It's, it's great content on there. It is, I, I'm told, great content on TikTok. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's all about people. Work with great people. Yeah. And the rest, I think, takes care of itself. Yeah. And so you want to start a business one day, go find a talent-dense organization and go work there. Um, you'll meet maybe your next co-founder. You'll meet your co-founder, but you'll also learn a lot. Yeah. Um, see how great organizations recruit and retain. So I think it's all about people. Cool. Well, Spike, you are uh, an inspiration from an entrepreneurial standpoint and uh, just from an insurance industry leader standpoint. So I'm really glad that we've been able to stay connected throughout the years. I'm glad that we were able to record this. And uh, honestly, I look forward to catching up in, uh, in person at some point soon in the city. Well, let's do it over burritos. And and thank you for the, the kind words. It's been yeah. awesome watching evolve, grow over yeah. the years. We're a happy, happy trading partner of yours. So thanks for having me and look forward to those burritos. Sounds great, Spike. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. Bye. Please download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. And feel free to reach out to me at pat at evolvedbrokerpodcast.com with any comments or suggestions for the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by First Insurance Funding. First is the leading premium finance company in insurance and is known throughout the industry for their personalized service and quote flexibility. If you're tired of sending quote requests for smaller premiums to multiple companies, not leaving enough time to negotiate larger opportunities, then choose First as your primary financing source and experience the first difference today. 